everybody, and welcome to episode 44 of the Revive Yourself podcast. Here we go. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Have you got a health issue that just won't go away no matter what you try? Then welcome to the Revive Yourself podcast, where we reveal the secrets to long-lasting health by getting to the root cause of problems that no one else is talking about. So you can have more energy, clear skin, healthier hair, a leaner physique, more confidence, and most importantly, do the things you love and live the life you deserve. Here's your host, Ryan Martin. So guys, welcome to another episode of the Revive Yourself podcast. Hope you're all doing well, and it's coming up to the festive season. In fact, when this airs, it may actually be the week of Christmas, or there or thereabouts. Either way, hope you're having fun. Uh, no, recently we've been having some quite bad snow in London, in England, down south. Um, but had a Christmassy feel, um, which was nice. But then, you know, the ice is treacherous, so I actually quite enjoy it when it goes away. Um, but... As for the the podcast, I had some great interviews, Chris Master John and, and Mogolis, and, um, and the things I'll be doing to avoid the flu this year. Everyone seemed to have really enjoyed that, been getting some great feedback on um, on both uh, on the YouTube channel, over email, uh, even people on Facebook. So that's great. And as always, guys, hit me up on Facebook at uh, Facebook forward slash Revive Yourself and Natural Health, or we're on uh, Instagram at Revive underscore Yourself. And we've got the YouTube channel as well. And um, people have been loving as well the, the, the free four-day mini-course. Get a lot of people into that, really getting great information, loving it. And you can, you can add that. If you go to www.reviveyourself.co, you can join that there. Um, which anyone with chronic, a chronic disease, especially a gut issue or skin issue, that's going to be brilliant for you. In fact, everyone. You know, it's going to be great for everyone. Uh, just so I just generally get lots of um, people asking about gut issues and skin issues. And it's just what... I deal a lot with as well as actually a lot of people at the moment. Chronic fatigue seems to be quite a big one as well. Anyway, guys, today's interview, I mean, you've got some crackers lined up for you, but today's interview is with Dr. Rita Marie. Um, and we'll be, we'll be talking all about brain fog, which is going to be, I mean, most people, most people experience brain fog in some way, uh, shape or form. Um, and they forget where their keys are, they forgot what the name of a restaurant is, they walk into a room and they forget what's going on, uh, they get this foggy feeling over over their head, uh, in their brain, and they just don't really, they can't remember what what they were meant to do, or where they're meant to be going, um, so <laughs> this is going to be great for you, we're going to go into why, why this happens, um, actually Dr. Marie, Rita Marie Los Calzo, uh, she had her own experience with this and went into her health journey and lots of um, other things, things you can do to stop it, things that um, are going to help you alleviate the symptoms and everything in between. So brain fog, and to be honest with you, like everything, it's whatever your genetic predisposition to disease is, this is one of the things you will get if your brain or uh, memory is weak, then you need to be taking special care of your lifestyle. So, without further ado, guys, here she is. Here's Dr. Rita Marie. Enjoy it, and I'll see you on the other side. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 44 of the Revive Yourself podcast. Today, we have got a great interview with Dr. Rita Marie Los Calzo. Is that how I'm saying it right? Los Calzo, really close. Brilliant. Yeah, Los Calzo, brilliant. <laughs> uh, and all the way from Austin, Texas. Yeah, that's correct. Yes, all the way from Austin, Texas, over per- the pond. Perfect. How uh, How is Austin today? 
Oh my gosh. It, it, everybody should have weather like this. It's beautiful. It's going to be in the high seventies and sunny and perfect, almost December weather. <laughs> well, yeah, perfect December weather. I wish I wish I could say the same a bit for it over here. Actually, today it was actually pretty nice, but it's just about the time when it starts to get dark now, which, which kind of sucks. I've got to be honest with you, uh, in, in the, in the winter time, but, um, it's nice to, to hear someone's got nice weather in the world. Um, so you're in Austin, Texas, I think. Do you know Doug Kaufman? I think he's quite near you. Doug Kaufman. No, I don't know that I know him. All oh, right, he's um, he's like, they've got a book out, a great book called The Fungus Link, um, and he talks all about fungus. It's really interesting. And uh, maybe you should guys could maybe well they don't say you guys, but yeah, I think he's in the area of Austin, Texas, or around that area. So surprised um, you don't know, him, but it's all good. Um, so today, guys, we're going to be talking to Rita Marie all about brain fog. Um, for those of you that don't, that don't know, she's got www.drritamarie.com, um, and she's also the founder of the Institute of Nutritional Endocrinology, if I can speak. It's actually got a, a best-selling book out as well called Unstoppable Health. So um, what actually, when I was going around your site, Rita, I looked at your, I think it was your mission statement. I really liked it. It said, we are committed to transforming our broken disease management system into a true healthcare system focused on finding and solving the root cause of all health changes. Uh, our goal is to reach and transform those clients who need help most and those practitioners who most want to help I really like that um, and we're going to be talking yep. about brain fog but just before we get to that I think your mission statement really rings true because you yourself went through your own uh, health issues um, and that's where you got into this is that correct that's totally correct it was a long time ago but yes totally correct cool. and so, I was disillusioned with the medical system right I think I think you I think I've, I've heard you speak before and you said it's around your early 20s I mean I went through my own about 17 to 22 so uh, I know what it's like going through at that time but just for the audience that they can you just um, explain exactly what what you went through and, and how you got through it yeah yeah so you know I and I was always a high achiever you know valedictorian in high school and sports and the whole bit and then when I got into my um into college you know it was similar and and that's what I think when I really noticed the health challenges was when I started to get really bad headaches I mean awful god awful headaches and I went to the clinic at school and they put me on Valium 21-year-old or 20-year-old has headaches and they put her on Valium. They don't ask anything about my diet, my lifestyle, my stress levels. They just put me on Valium. Couldn't stand it. Couldn't get out of bed. So I decided to just live on aspirin for the headaches. Mm. And then fast forward a few years, you know, so I dealt with that and, uh, and my habits were god awful. I see, you know, you're into drinking green juice and I am now too, but green juice wasn't even on the horizon for me at that point. So I, during, when I first got my first job, I was, I was very um, ambitious and I would meet with customers and we'd always be eating, you know, the, the rich lunches and drinking wine. But I started to have this feeling like, I couldn't I couldn't connect with the person I was speaking to like like there was this fog it was long before anybody was talking brain fog but that's what it felt like to me it's like there was this fog and their words would be slowly coming through this thick haze mm -hmm. and I had to really focus and I was smart you know this was somebody who was valedictorian and did really well in school and I was struggling to make connections with people because I couldn't focus on their words. And I was like, this is strange, but didn't think anything of it, kept living my life. And what really, you know, I started having sinus problems, went to the doctor, they put me on steroids, they did sinus surgery, the whole bit. 
And all the while I'm thinking this is just normal stuff. And then I had doubling over stomach pain and nobody could figure it out. They went through all these tests, said maybe it's an ulcer. Here's some ulcer medication. Drink lots of milk and eat lots of cheese and ice cream, which I love the idea of eating lots of ice cream, by the way. And uh, that'll make it better. And it didn't. And they finally said, you don't have an ulcer, but continue to take the ulcer medication for the rest of your life. And I was at that point blown away. And I just said, could it be my diet? As visions of Twinkies and Pringles danced in my head. And they said, no. And I challenged that and I started researching. Fast forward, rewind, a couple of years of up and down, back and forth, trying to figure out what was on. I, you know, discovered this different way of eating and detoxification and food allergies and this whole bit. And it took me like two or three years on my own to research, to struggle, to try to figure this out. Again, this is back in the 80s. This was not, you know, in modern times where there was an internet and people aware of health. And I finally got my health together and I said, you know, this shouldn't be so hard for people. And that's when I quit my very well-paying job back then and um, went back to school and got my degrees in chiropractic and acupuncture and nutrition and herbal medicine. And um, I wanted to make it easy for people. I, I was just disillusioned. Nobody was looking for a cause. Nobody was looking for why is this happening? It's just how do we cover it up? And I see that all over. I see it still in the medical system, even, you know, decades later, where there's so many podcasts and so much information out there, there's still majority of doctors are out there dispensing pills and throwing darts in the dark and putting band-aids on things instead of finding true solutions. Yeah. And um, I'm going to be honest with you, I actually had a little conversation with Terry Tiddard about this. The other day. I don't know if you know Terry, he's a, someone who, who is into natural health as well, he's, he's a petitioner uh, himself. And I was saying sometimes, you know, we go through it and we deal with clients and we say the same stuff over and over again. And sometimes it gets to the point, I was listening to a, an interview the other day and it was just like a doctor laughing about how diet makes a difference. And most of the time I'm just like really relaxed about it. <laughs> Yesterday I was just like, sometimes it infuriates me to a point I just want to get the TV and lob it through the wall because it's like how many times do these people just ignore this ignore this information that's in front of them and as you say with in the age of information it's almost like ignorance is a choice you know um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it does and, and so you went through your own I mean like most of us that I know who've been through this been on this journey and helping lots of people we've all been through our, our own um illness and went to the doctors as you said medications i myself went through it you had steroids i know what that feels like it's not good and valium fantastic i mean who doesn't need some valium in their life um <laughs> if you hadn't have changed uh the way you approached it and what you thought where do you think you'd be right now i mean i mean for example if you'd have carried on taking everything that they've given you where do you think you'd have been right now Right now, I mean, I could easily be in my grave. Um, my mother, my mother died at age fifty-six. Um, when I passed her in age, I celebrated. It was like okay, you know. And I passed her five years ago, and um, I could easily have been. I have a sister. She got lymphoma in her forties and died. My dad died two years after my mom. So my genes suck, <laughs> basically. Yeah. You know, and they. I lived their lifestyle, right? Their same lifestyle that I learned growing up. Had I continued that, I could easily be where they are now. I honestly, or if I wasn't, I would be 
debilitated, I would be, you know, on blood pressure medication and on cholesterol medication and, um, you know, probably on anti-inflammatories and maybe, you know, taking um, laxatives every day to keep my bowels moving. I, I mean, I can imagine. I mean, at the time, they wanted me on the ulcer medication. What does ulcer medication? Proton pump inhibitors, uh, things that suppress stomach acid. I would have been not absorbing my protein, not absorbing my minerals. So I'd be mineral deficient. I may have osteoporosis, maybe a couple of broken bones. I mean, there's so many possibilities of where my life could have gone had I not made that turn, had I not made that decision that maybe, maybe, I'm, maybe there's something I can do about this. Let me find out and been open to the possibility and not so married to my food. I was a food addict. I was not just somebody who liked to eat and, you know, but I never allowed myself to get overweight because I was too vain. So I would eat and then fast and then eat and then fast and overeat like to the point of explosion. Mm-hmm. So I had serious food problems. So it wasn't like I was just somebody who didn't care about food and was naturally thin and changing my diet was easy. It wasn't, but it was so important to me to get my health back and feel good that I didn't care. I could eat cardboard if that's what I had to do for the rest of my life. I would, that was what I was willing to do because it mattered so much to me to get my brain back, to get my energy back. Back then I didn't know I was fatigued because I was on 10 cups of black tea and a whole bunch of diet Coke every day. So I didn't even know I was tired. I just, I just medicated myself. Now I haven't touched caffeine in 35 years and I'm bursting with energy all hours of the day or night. I mean, you sent shivers down my spine with a few different things you just said there, and I think you've just like so you've put some absolute statements out there. The fact that you said, um, just get some feedback there, but it's okay. <laughs> Gone now. Um, just the fact you said you could be in your grave, or yeah. you'd be maybe where your parents. I mean, that story you just said, like, and all the drugs you'd be on, uh, all the things you'd be going. That for most people, and it's something I want to talk about later on. That for most people is quite common. People think it's normal, but as I've heard you say, and a lot of I always say as well. Just because it's normal doesn't mean that it's, it's just that it's common doesn't mean that it's normal. Um, and this is the thing that you, you're talking about there. Um, all these medications just given out, and all these all the issues going on. Um, and luckily, you. T- I, I think it was um, Chris Cresser said the other day. Really good. I mean, it's something that we talk about quite a lot because we always talk about epigenetics and stuff. But he had a really good core equation, which was um, um, your genetic predisposition plus modern lifestyle equals chronic illness. Yep. And I thought that was a really, really good, really, really simple um, thing. And that's basically what you're saying there. I mean, you, I've got heart disease in my family and cancer in my family. Um, and if I had gone down the same route as them, I know that's where it was leading. Uh, and for you to say that at your age, it's fantastic that you've passed your mum. I'm glad that you're doing really well now. But it's just, I think it's important just to tell the listeners some of these stories because sometimes they see us, or they might see like me or you or other people, and they think, oh my God, like, you look really good or it's always been easy for you, but they don't understand the backstory. So I think it's always uh-huh. important to tell that story because um, people can, a lot of people, people with can help and people listening to this, they can relate to, to struggle, you know? So I think it's really important. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So, so you refuse a medication um, and, you, and, you, and you started to, to learn, to, to learn. I mean, there was no internet right then, back then, I'm guessing. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. This was the 80s. <laughs> yeah, the, no. 80, the 80s, right? So no internet. So, so how did you, how did you start to learn? I mean, in fact, I think, I think, didn't, didn't you, um, go to, I mean, obviously libraries and stuff, but I think you've actually got a great story, 
um, about why you went vegan. I think I'd really like to tell that. Um, I th- I've heard you, I think you've heard you mentioned it before on the show. It'd be really good for listeners to hear that. But um, I'm guessing to start with, you were in libraries and stuff. Yeah, so it was definitely libraries, and I would get you know stacks and stacks of anything I could read that was about nutrition. And quite frankly, it wasn't there wasn't a lot like there is today. You know, it was Carlton Fredericks and um, uh, you know Diet for a Small Planet. I mean, there's so many little so many books that are classics. But I learned, and I went, oh, diet has something to do with it. And start you know you start experimenting when you don't know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'll remove this. Oh, I'll add that. So what I did was read one of these books um, and said, drink lots of milk and eat lots of whole wheat bread. So guess what happened when I did that? Problems. I got worse. Yeah, problems. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, oh, okay, guess this isn't it. You know, so I would I would experiment with leaving out this and leaving out that, and then food allergy tests were just coming around. But um, so I learned that way. I went to the bookstores. I got stacks of books. But my real turning point story was when I was sitting at a gas station or service station getting my tires changed and um, or rotated or whatever they do. And I was sitting there reading a book about nutrition because that's all I did. And this guy sat down next to me. He goes, oh, you're interested in food and nutrition. And we started to talk. And he said, well, here's a book you need to read. And it was Fasting Can Save Your Life. Mm. Fasting can save your life. And I'm like, fasting can save your life? Like, what what kind of crazy book is that? I said, oh, I've done um, fasting before. And this book here, this food allergy relief system recommends a five-day water fast and then you add foods back. I said, I did it and I felt fantastic when when I fasted. But as soon as I started eating, I felt like really bad. And he was like, that's because you didn't fast long enough. And he was he's <laughs> about long, prolonged fasting. I'm like, this guy's a kook, but okay, whatever. He got, he got my curiosity, he gave me a card from, you know, some place that t- took people in to do fasting. And I went and I got this book and I was fascinated. I was like, oh, I'm not sick. I'm toxic. My whole lifestyle from the time I was born, breathing cigarette smoke every single day of my life from, you know, when I was in utero all the way up till I moved out when I was 22, I was breathing cigarette smoke every single day. That impacted me. I was eating, you know, ronzoni and macaroni and cheese and drinking Kool-Aid. Mm-hmm. Every day, I was mm-hmm. drinking milk, pasteurized, homogenized milk with sugar in it and eggs. That was my breakfast my mom would make for us in, in the blender. Mm-hmm. And I was doing this stuff for my whole life. Of course, I was sick. You know, it made sense to me. And so that's that turned me around. And I actually did an extended water fast and completely changed my diet around. And I never looked back. I mean, it was like... It was the magic bullet everybody was looking for, only it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like I just had to take a pill to get it. I had to work to get it. I had to store my body. I had to cleanse my body. I had to get rid of all that. Fortunately, I was only 25 at the time, 28 at the time, something like that. Mm -hmm. I was in my mid to late 20s at the time. And it it made life different. And that's when I decided. It was during that fast that I said, I want to help people. You know, I was reading about these different books and I'm like, I want to help people. I want to truly help people. And that's when I decided to leave my job and go back and become a doctor and help people. That's awesome. And just, I mean, you said it before, actually, you said like, if you, you'd eat cardboard if you had to. And that's the point. Most yeah. people, when they get to the point where the pain of change is less than the actual pain that they're going through, they will do that. And um, that's a really important point you've made there. Uh, when, so when you went on this fasting, how long, how long would you prolong fast? 
It was 28 days, actually. Oh, really? Okay, it's a long time. I mean, um, yeah. and people don't really... I say this quite often on the show. It's like, you see any animals in the world, any problems they get, they take themselves away and they go and fast. And people don't mm-hmm. realise water fasting for three days has been shown to re- rejuvenate the, uh, regenerate the entire um, nervous system. Uh, it's huge, yeah. huge for us. So 28 days, and obviously... Guys, we're not saying go out there and fast 28 days. No, you no, to, no. You, no, no, you need to, yeah, no, 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 exactly. No, no, you need no, no, to be super under supervision, yeah, supervision. I so, supervision. So, yeah. was it just water, or did you have different different powders? No, different, go, just water, just water. water, really? Okay, see so, what, what water does is a different it, there's cleanses you can do with, with juice and with powders and all that, and they're wonderful yeah. and they're great for you know living your life and doing the cleanse at the same time but there's a very different state that your body gets into when it's just water first of all you go into ketosis pretty mm-hmm. quickly and ketosis is where you're burning you know just you're burning fat you're not burning muscle you're not using carbohydrate for fuel you're burning fat and there's a cleansing effect to that i mean it's not something i necessarily recommend people do for the rest of their life is is stay in that state but you get into that state and the body stops looking for external fuel and just starts burning up everything you have. And a lot of people with cancers, even they find that the tumors get eaten up yeah. as fuel during a fast. So, and I'm not, again, I'm not recommending it's not for everybody. And it's not something that you would do beyond three, four days, five days at the most on your own yeah. without supervision. Yeah. Cause all the toxins, as we say, people toxins are, are based in, in your fat stores. So That's- if the body, if the body's starting eating up fat, so you're going to get a lot of uh, toxins coming out. And so did you go through a healing crisis at all at that time? You know, the first four days were miserable. First four days were really challenging. After that, it was bliss. It was pure bliss. I mean, it was like I felt clear. Talk about brain fog. Talk about a good cure for brain fog. Holy cow. Just get all the crap out of your diet for a few days and the brain fog goes away. And yeah. it, was, it was remarkable. And I felt clear. I felt I felt energetic, but my body didn't, if you know what I mean. My yeah. mind felt like all this, this stuff going around and I'd go, oh, I'm just going to go to the gym and work out. And I'd get halfway there and go, well, maybe I'll just take a race, rest first. Because... <laughs> I was thin to begin with. I was, you know, 115 pounds when I started. Right. Um, so I didn't have, I didn't have this, all this extra baggage on me to, um, to carry me through. So my body was, was, you know, it's getting smaller and smaller. And my, my metabolism went way down because I was conserving. I didn't have, you know, an extra 30, 40 pounds yeah. to fuel me. So my body got into a low, you know, and, and if I'd done some of the, lab work or whatever, I'd probably see that my thyroid was suppressed and all that because that happens. The body is just mm-hmm. trying to conserve and that's yeah. what happens. Your metabolic rate goes down. Now, if you do it right and you refeed properly, then you bring it back and you bring it back gradually and my metabolism is perfectly fine right now. Mm-hmm. So this is, I mean, back in the days, is nineteen in the 1980s you did this. So um, yeah. I mean, that, that this center, is it still around? I mean, that must have been pretty cutting edge for the time or when I say cutting edge, it was probably this going back to the basics really um it's around? going back basics, so it wasn't no it's actually not um i think that you know the, the founder is is gone and you know is okay. not there anymore but there's several like that like right around after that mm-hmm. i another one opened up true north which is dr alan goldhammer okay. runs 
and he's in Northern California. I was in more like a little bit south of there. And um, so he opened his center up and he's, you know, they're doing amazing work. And there's others like that as well. And they do, he does much more rigorous supervision. The one that I went to didn't do rigorous supervision. They checked you out every day and made sure you were okay. And But he actually has medical supervision, medical doctors on staff. He's a chiropractor. You know, so it's, it's really good to go to a place where they know and they can check your vitals and yeah. make sure that you're not going into a crisis because some people... Yeah. It you just can't do extended fasting without making sure that things are right. Yeah, no. uh, this would piss us out there. I mean, we talked about it quite a few times, but a healing crisis, guys, is sometimes when you when you go for it, we start detoxing the body, can can start to flush things out a bit too quick, or things can be released too quick, and you can actually feel worse than what you did before. Um, and if we get a lot worse, we get better. Um, they first noticed this, I think, with syphilis patients years ago. And so, I mean, if you've got skin issues, you, you can come out, come, come, come out, come from a lot worse, yep. this, etc. Or whatever, whatever it is, you can feel vomiting, get flu-like symptoms. You can, I don't know, there's, there's, there's a million and one things. So if you get a proper diet off, you can really feel sick. Um, so it is important to, to do it under supervision. I know there's um, Dr. Robert Cesar. I think he's got a 28-day one in, in Hawaii. It's very, very interesting. But no, that's, that's awesome so your so your brain fog went and and so just for most people brain fog this is a common for a lot of people you know forgetting their car keys forgetting someone's name where they went a few weeks ago um you know i mean is this normal uh, to be foggy every now and again and to forget certain things or or is it just common it's common you know and again common and normal are not the same thing it's very common um it's a normal response to stress. Let me just say that because what happens when there's a lot of stress and, you know, in this world, if you don't have processes to protect yourself from stress, you can't avoid it. So it's when your body gets under stress and it releases a hormone called cortisol from the adrenal glands that affects a part of the brain called the hippocampus. It actually destroys it. It actually does damage to the hippocampus in the brain. And hippocampus is that short term memory. So the brain fog is often that there's a lot of cortisol and it's affecting the hippocampus. And the good news is there's processes to help bring those cortisol levels down and things you can learn to do in your daily life. And it's reversible. So there are ways, you know, with certain nutrients that you can reverse it. But it is normal for somebody who's under severe stress to be foggy brained and not be able to actually do calculations to do, you know, higher level thinking. Cortisol actually suppresses the function of part of the brain called the prefrontal cortex, which is all the logical and the, you know, the thought processes, the, the higher centers are the humans part of the brain and it, and it activates part of the brain called the limbic system mm-hmm. and the 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 um for the hind brain and I call it the lizard brain that gets activated because you have to be in survival mode when you're under stress because if there's a bear chasing you you need to be able to run and jump and get away whereas the other part of the brain I call the wizard brain so you've got this playback of the wizard versus the lizard and if you're under a lot of stress and stress can be mental and emotional but it can also be environmental with all the toxins it can be food related with all you know the, the refined foods with the hydrogenated oils things that affect the body in a stressful way those cause the limbic system to take over and the prefrontal cortex to be suppressed so i always talk about ways to that you know, stressful events activate the lizard brain and suppress the wizard brain. And what we want to do is get into um, focused approaches that we can switch that in an instant. 
Yeah, awesome. I mean, something that we've talked talked about um, before. We we talk about the mammalian. So it's the reptile brain, mammalian brain, and the yep. human brain. And it's like the reptiles all about fight, flight, fornicate. That's like your base level survival. Then mammalian's all about hierarchical needs. And then, as you're saying about uh, the human brain or your wizard brain, um, most people don't realise that a lot of times they make decisions and they're not actually even. When people say they're out, you're out of your mind. They actually are out of their human mind. And, they actually are. Yeah, and so. This is why it's very, very important. So, so reducing stress. I mean, stress and cortisol they deplete um, uh, acid uh, choline. Is that right? Um, I'm trying to think. And if you acetylcholine, yeah, let's see. Okay, if I can speak it, if I can say say words today. Um, and also, reducing stress. If you start to reduce stress, can it can it repair the hippocampus, or is the damage already done? Yeah, so it, it it slows down the damage or stops the damage. Um, there's been a lot of research on phosphatidylcholine. Okay. Uh, phos- yes, phosphatidylcholine. Uh, no, phosphatidylserine. Phosphatidylcholine is different. Phosphatidylserine for actually repairing that damage. It helps to bring down the cortisol levels, but it also helps to repair the hippocampus. Lots of studies on that. So that's a, a specific phosphorylated amino acid serine is an amino acid phosphorus is you know part of phosphorylation so it's basically this amino acid that has phosphorus attached to it in the simple terms and it's a it's an important nutrient all the phosphatidyls phosphatidyl serine choline and acetal ethanolamine they're all super important in the brain for um the the nerves like lining the nerve functions protecting the nerves from damage Mm-hmm. So it's it's a really important um, nutrient that a lot of people don't get. There's places you can get those nutrients, um, you know, phosphatidylserine, um, choline, et cetera, and lecithin, foods that contain lecithin, sunflower seeds, soybeans, et cetera. Um, you can take supplements of them. And usually when somebody's been in a, a stress state and they've had some brain fog and other things going on for a while, I'll help out. I'll talk to them about supplementation. So, 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 so the soy, so the, so the soy lecithin, soy and the, and the sunflower seeds. Um, yeah. I think so. When you when you get into sort of soy lecithin, sunflower seeds, a lot of people just quickly would be like, "Well, soy is soy is bad for you, right? I mean, it's anti nutrients, <laughs> cancer, GMO, pesticides, etc. Is soy lecithin okay to take? Yeah, if it's if it's organic, non GMO, yes, absolutely. And I, you know, I don't think that you know. Soy, the way it was, the way it's used in the East is very different than here. And we, it's GMO, it's not organic, um, it's got so many anti-nutrients in it, and it's the way we eat it, mm-hmm. right? If you take it and you make it into flour and you eat tons of tofu and you eat all these meat analogs and stuff, that's not a good way to use soy. But when you take it and you ferment it into natto or miso, um, those things are not those. The, the studies, the studies that showed damaging effects of soy are all on the non-organic, potentially GMO, and not fermented soy. That's how the people in the East use it: small amounts, condiment size. We're in the U.S. and you know UK and all, where oh, more is better, right? And yeah. no, it's true. It's not true that more is better, but small amounts of, of fermented soy can be fine. I don't personally use it very often. I mean, I occasionally would have it, but I don't really eat it much, but natto, I mean, natto is a great source of vitamin K2. It's nasty. <laughs> it doesn't yeah, taste really like it, right? You can get but, your vitamin K2 from things like sauerkraut as well, fermented sauerkraut. Yeah. 
Got Mushrooms. It. So, so is this so with the soil deficit and sunflower seeds? Is this where you start talking about phospholipids? Yes. So phospholipids are definitely a, a part, and I think they're part of brain fog. I think it's an important part of brain fog and having that that structure. Most people are totally fat fat imbalanced or fat deficient. I would say most people think, oh, we eat a high fat diet. How could we fat, be fat deficient? But we're deficient in the, wrong, the, the right kinds of fats. And we have excesses of the wrong kinds of fats. And fats are super important for the brain. We need to, you know, super low fat diets are not great for brain health. Super high fat diets aren't. And bad fat diets are not good for anybody. So hydrogenated fats, heated fats, oxidized fats, a higher percentage of omega-6 to omega-3. Those are really important for brain function and really important for good health of the brain and, and overcoming brain fog. Uh, 100%. I mean, you just mentioned that. I mean, the, the brain's, um, it's, it's most of it is mostly cholesterol anyway, so you need to fat. So, and you're talking about, for example, um, eggs are another one that's, that for the years have been given bad press, but um, eggs, eggs are brain food, right? I mean, they've got... Uh, acetylcholine in them, um, and that's great for the brain. True, or well, they in your do, opinion or not? But- there's also a problem with eggs. Okay. And I don't think eggs. Eggs were one of the things that actually discovered that were causing my headaches. But here's oh. the thing. In uh, a society where most people are, most kids are immunized as children, right. egg albumin is one of the carriers that are used there. So think about that. You're injecting somebody with this substance with the, the goal of creating an immune reaction. So when you said immune, immune, immunized, do you mean vaccinated? Vaccinated, right. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so when that happens, you're we're we're initiating a response. Right. So you really have to be careful with eggs. They're among the top six allergens, gluten, dairy, corn, soy, eggs, and peanuts. Mm-hmm. Right? Those are the top six and you know, maybe slightly different from country to country and society to society, but yeah, those are top and you got to be really careful. And and eggs, um, you know, commercially purchased eggs are made from you know chickens that are cooped up and they're not they're not seeing the light of day. They don't have the nutrients that we think they do. So if someone is going to do use eggs, first of all, make sure you're not allergic to them. Which my opinion is you eliminate them for a month or so and then you go back and you test with it but then you really should only be eating eggs from you know cage free chickens that are that are fed organic feed and have a life right and they lay these beautiful you know brown um eggs that are not anemic and are not and are not full of toxic residue so yeah. we really have to be careful of that yeah, I mean that's big for us. I, I, I mean, on the show we talk about organic, organic food, um, free range grass fed if you can. I mean, chickens, they, they're not fed bread and grain. They should be eating oh. bugs uh, from the gra- from the ground, and and so 100. percent So obviously, if you're going to eat, I mean, this is the other thing you mentioned there. So people, a lot of people have got allergies to food because they eat so much, so much of it, and and eggs is one of those food that you can see if people do eat them, they tend to eat them every day, uh, so they can get a reaction to it. So in your yeah. opinion, take them out and see how you respond when you go back on them. And when you do go back on them, make sure they're the highest quality that you can you can buy. Quality and in moderation. So for me, when I had, you know, I was doing the egg, the, the headaches were intermittent. And I discovered that it wasn't happening when I ate one egg. Right. It was only when I ate an omelet or if I ate eggs several days in a row. And the headache was just, it was horrible, horrendous. I'd never want to go back. So I just avoid eggs altogether now. Oh, okay. 
Interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, I know from uh, personal experience that I mean, egg whites on their own, the people who have egg white omelettes, I mean, egg whites on their own are one of the most allergenic foods on the planet. Um, and generally, when we start to introduce eggs back in, I generally get my clients to have this like an egg yolk omelette or scrambled egg uh, egg yolks, so it's interesting. So taking them out for a while, that's it. I mean, but you're vegan now, right? Yep. So that would be one of the reasons why you don't eat eggs as well. Uh, so, yeah. So that's I'm vegan from the standpoint of it being a religion. I'm vegan because I've, cho- I've chosen to take out the foods that I don't believe are serving me. Yeah. No, no. So, interesting. Yeah. I just meant that's why like, you, don't, you, you don't eat them. So yeah. when you went, when you went, um, but you went vegan because, because of after your fasting, is that correct? You, you that was what you did to help your that's right. health that's- rehabilitation. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And how long have you been vegan for now? Uh, since nineteen eighty five. So what's that? Thirty two years. All right. Long time. And it's all going well. Thriving. I'm thriving. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I'll just say that because I do actually deal with this. Is I mean, sort of with, with with vegans, I actually have had to help some vegans come come through some some struggling times. Um, but because of certain things with with their ill health, it's been a bit depleted in certain nutrients that they weren't weren't getting. And a lot of time, also because they weren't able to. It's one of the things I want to talk to you about as well. Was you're talking about the fats, um, and especially omega free fats um, that that people need need or have for health. Um, a lot of vegans they they struggle to convert, uh, get the conversion right for from the plant plant omega free. Almost everybody, yeah, almost, almost everybody struggles with that because there's a plethora of nutrients that are required that are completely deficient in the diet. And and vegan doesn't mean you're healthy. You know, ve- you can be eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and, right. you know, fake egg omelet things. And I mean, there's all kinds of crap you could be eating as a vegan. Vegan doesn't mean anything. I'd rather call it whole food plant-based diet where, yeah. um, you know, high, I, I call it a vegetable-based diet or yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, based diet because that's really what it is because there's a lot of plants that you shouldn't be eating very much of um so there's a very big variety of people you know of of health amongst vegans and i think that when you do this low super low fat vegan diet and people are eating a lot of grain and a lot of bread and a lot of rice and you know not a lot of vegetables and not any a lot of fat but here's the thing with the the omega-6 the omega-3 conversion it's called the elongation you go Mm -hmm. from uh, you know, the short chains to the long chains and the, the plant foods contain the short chains and the, the, the enzyme that converts, that helps them to convert has some cofactors that it needs in order to be efficient. So in order to do that, you need B vitamins, especially B um, 12, B six, B three, mm-hmm. you need a bunch of minerals, magnesium, you need, um, zinc, magnesium, you need biotin, you need vitamin C. All of those need to be in decent amounts in order for you to be able to do the elongation. And that's why it gets a bad rap. You know, eating plant sources of omega-3s are actually quite good if you're eating a diet that has the right amount of nutrients to be able to help them convert. But the truth of the matter is most people are eating refined foods. They're eating white rice. They're eating white bread. They're eating processed foods. And those take away from that that conversion process. And there's not enough of the minerals in there. There's not enough of the vitamins in there because the food is refined, right? So when you are repleting those nutrients, <clears throat> you can um, – and you can take supplements of them while you're in the process of shifting the diet and making that 
um, improvement, then that that goes up. I mean, there, there's studies that show that that conversion can be up to 30%. There's, uh, you know, 30% of the short chain gets converted. And there's other studies that show it could be 6%, mm-hmm. right? So it's very variable based on people and sex and their their overall state of health. So I think that getting good plant source of omega-3, but also making sure you have all those nutrients and that making sure that you get plenty of it. And so I it works for me. It works for my clients. And so do they get it mainly through food or do they need supplementation or something like a, maybe, a, maybe an algae-based um, supplement? Yep. Yep. And I, I encourage people to eat algae. Most people don't eat algae. They're like, what am I going to do? That's the swamp. That's the stuff. <laughs> Makes my pool look ugly and I come in. But so there are algae supplements. And yeah, uh, an omega-3 from algae, an o- omega-3 oil from algae. Yeah. Because we're not all perfect and we're not all going to eat the right ratios of everything every no, day. No, of course not. So it's very helpful. And I've seen it turn around uh, rather quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I always just say as well that if you could and we, we could all get our, our nutrition all from, from food, it would be great. But unfortunately today we need some supplements because of just the nutrition quality of the food. I think there was a thing that said to, you'd have to eat 50 heads of lettuce to get uh, the same nutrition as, as one head of lettuce, I think, 20 or 30 years ago. So um, it just shows what we need to do. So Also, you mentioned there about B vitamins. It was, when we talked about stress, I mean, stress is known to reduce B vitamins. So you think that's quite important for people to, to make sure they're getting B vitamins in? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because stress just depletes it down. So it's important. <clears throat> it's yeah. very important. I like to do plant-based supplements that are concentrated foods, but sometimes you need to go with synthetics. I just am concerned about, you know, various and sundry byproducts in synthetic supplements. Not that I don't use them with people, but I we start with a base of good, you know, concentrated food-based supplements. Yeah. Um, with B vitamins, I think when people get in, uh, injections, I think they've got... Very critical. Yeah, very critical. Yeah, I mean, there's one that's got a cyanide molecule in it as well. I think it's cyanocobalamin, if I can say Oh, so cyanocobalamin. Cobalamin, The form that people mostly take are the cyanoform, and it's not well absorbed, it's not well utilized, and it has the cyanide side chain that gets tested. Yeah, exactly. It's not, not so good that's for your liver either. I think you can take it for like tw- 12 weeks because it starts to give your liver problems as well. So, um, yeah, so, yeah. so, so ones that you'd recommend problem. would be... Well, you know, if you're going to do B12, I'd recommend methylcobalamin, uh-huh. uh, um, hydroxycobalamin, or adenosylcobalamin. And you got to be a little careful with the methyl and go slowly with the methyl, even though that's the best and most active form in the body. There are certain genetic types that will cause um, a backup of those those uh, methyl groups. And you got to just go slowly with people like that, especially people who are prone to anxiety and depression because it can affect neurotransmitters if you have this specific genetic type um, and then you take too much of it. So I just am careful. Usually when I'm starting somebody, if they have a history of, um, of any kind of genetics of, of, uh, sorry, of anxiety, um, then what I'll do if I don't have their genetic testing to look at, then what I'll do is I'll generally start them with the denosyl or uh, hydroxy and then tiny amounts of methyl until we get back their genetic testing. Yeah, makes makes sense. And and with and with the uh, I, want get, I want to get to talk uh, quick, quickly about the adrenals and the thyroid. With the adrenals, I mean, how do they come into play? Is it basically to do with the cortisol connection we mentioned earlier? Yep. Yeah, yep. it totally has to do with that. Absolutely. Cool. And um, with the thyroid, I mean, how can the thyroid cause brain fog? 
Yeah. Is it to do with converting T T T four and T three? I mean, uh, go go ahead. I mean, you you know more about this than me. Yeah, thyroid thyroid's a complex issue. The thyroid hormones control the metabolic rate of every cell in the body. So think about that. If the metabolic rate of the brain cells is slow because of low thyroid function, right. then what's going to happen is you're going to have brain fog. But the thing about thyroid, it is complicated because it's the actual active form of the vitamin of, I mean, of the thyroid hormone is free T3. If you were measured on a blood test, well, most doctors don't even measure that if they, they measure the TSH and they go, Oh, you're fine. But they're not necessarily fine. That goes back to this conversion issue. And when you're under stress, the conversion from T4, which is the, the form that mostly what the thyroid makes, it makes a little T3. It, it's got, it has to get converted to T3 to be activated. But that, that, that enzyme is very sensitive to stress. So high levels of cortisol or very low levels of cortisol will decrease the conversion from T4 to T3. And then more of it goes to reverse T3. And reverse T3 is like the brakes. And the reverse T3 does tend to raise when somebody's under chronic stress, when uh-huh. somebody's sick. Because if you're sick, you want to conserve energy. You don't want to have your your body, you know, revving at full throttle. You want to conserve that. So the brakes come on. And so we get more reverse T3, less free T3, and the cells tend to be, you know, acting as if the thyroid isn't producing. Meanwhile, Medicine is going, oh, well, you just need more D4. Here's more D4. They're not, which is Synthroid and Levothyroxine. And in the meantime, people are going, the body's saying, I don't need more T4. I got plenty of it. And then it moves more of that T4 to to reverse T3 and slows things down more. So it's this catch-22. So we really need to be looking at the thyroid as a full functioning, not just the thyroid gland itself, but all the other parts of the body that play in. So for example, that conversion from T4 to T3 happens, about 50% of it happens in the liver, about 25% in the digestive tract, you know, a little bit in the kidneys and a little bit in the thyroid and other, you know, peripheral parts of the body. Well, think about it. If somebody's digestion is messed up, which most people's are because they're eating crappy food all the time and they're, you know, eating lots of gluten and dairy and things that are struggling it up, they're under stress, then what happens is that that they're going to have less of a conversion. You know, the liver, we're in a toxic world. The liver is working overtime, right? So it may not be helping to do that conversion as well. Plus deficiencies, selenium deficiency, magnesium deficiency, those all play in because those are important cofactors for making the T4 turn into T3. You see, it's a complicated issue. And all of that leads to brain fog. And one thing we haven't mentioned at all that leads to brain fog is Blood sugar imbalance, right? right. People I think- actually, yeah, I was actually going to this. I mean, is this, sorry, go ahead, blood sugar imbalance, but this is why um, I was talking about the people in the morning who are just having like <clears throat> croissants or bagels or even a big bowl of porridge, right? This is yes. bad news for them. Right, absolutely. And see, what people think about is that when the blood sugar goes low, we have brain fog. But a lot of times it's because somebody has excess blood sugar and they've become insulin resistant. And when I was in school, we we learned that the brain cells don't become insulin resistant. They could just take, they don't even need, we don't need insulin to get sugar into the brain cells. All we have to do is 
just allow the brain to function and it grabs the glucose right from the from the blood. Well, now research is showing that indeed there is a requirement for insulin in the brain to pull in the glucose and the brain cells become insulin resistant. So you want to talk about the ultimate brain fog, if you will, Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's, right? Can't remember anything. You just talk to your son and now you're saying, who are you, right? That's Alzheimer's. The memory is is impaired. And we're now talking about Alzheimer's being insulin resistance of the brain yeah. or even type 3 diabetes, type three diabetes. Yeah, yeah. right? So that's a big thing. And maintaining steady blood sugar levels, maintaining good receptors on the cells, those receptors for insulin get damaged by the hydrogenated fats. They get damaged by excess sugar because the body's going no too much. I mean, there's all sorts of, of chemicals in the environment pesticides, et cetera, all of those things play in to development of insulin resistance. And when that happens in the brain, boy, that memory and that brain fog is severe. Right. I mean, this, this is, this is for some people, right, so I'm going to give you two, two examples here. Um, for some people, they, they won't feel like they've got, a, like, they won't be, feel like they'd be able to, to work until they've had something to eat. Like, if they're in a fasted state there, as soon as they have food or so they have some, some eggs maybe or whatever it's a breakfast, if it's a good healthy breakfast, and they feel, oh my God, I can start to think again. For myself, I, I'm almost clearer of mind, I've got more energy, etc. when I'm actually in a fasted state. You know, I, I try to fast every day till two o'clock. So why would that be? What are the, what are the two things causing some people to have better better brain function on food and others to have it better when they're in a fasted state? That's a great question. And I'm with you. I feel much better in a fasting state. I've actually measured, I measure my own glucose. I teach people how to measure their own glucose. I think it's not just for diabetics. It's actually a really good tool to help you establish what your body should be, um, should be doing and what you should be eating. But why do some and not? So when you can quickly shift to just burning fat for fuel, you are going to feel better when you're not eating or fine when you're not eating. I don't know about better, but fine when you're not eating because your body just says, oh, well, let's just convert some of that hip hip flesh mm-hmm. into brain fuel, right? But some people can't do that. And some of it has to do with genetics. Some of it has to do with there's a long history of this high glycemic food. So people who switch to eating lower on the glycemic scale, and we could talk about the glycemic index for hours. I don't, you know, it's kind of a weird thing, but it gives us a general guideline, right? So if someone is not adapted and can't really adapt to that and their blood sugars are going, um, you know, there's some issues with their liver. There's, there's another hormone that nobody talks about that gets converted, that gets secreted by the pancreas called glucagon. And nobody talks about that. The glucagon helps us to keep the blood sugar steady. So there's people who are, um, they're overproducing insulin. There's too much sugar ending up getting into fat storage and then boom, the blood sugar drops and then they don't know how to, body doesn't know how to use fat for fuel at that point. Now they could adapt to it if they allowed themselves to feel it. Here's the thing about hunger. There's a lot of folks that have been conditioned that hunger is evil and we should never feel hunger at all costs. And as soon as you feel it, you need to do something about it. And in reality, when we feel hunger, there's actually some really nice metabolic processes going on. Stomach secretes ghrelin. Ghrelin actually triggers growth hormone. 
growth hormone then triggers us to burn fat and store lean. So there's some good things happening when we're hunger hungry. And I always tell people, you know, you just, it's like an itch. It's like an itch that's in a place where it's not polite to scratch in public. You just don't do it. You just deal with it, right? Yeah, that's a great. That's a great. I mean, I always say to my, my guys, like when we first put, mostly we get them health first. We put them into intermittent fasting later to give it give it a go. Most of them they love it. Um, and I always say, look, you get hungry for ten fifteen minutes, then it goes away. Yeah, drink water. Yeah. I always tell people, you know, when you feel hunger, yeah. the first thing you should do is drink some water because most of the time it's thirst. Most of us are so thirsty all the time, nobody's drinking enough water. Yep. So you start with that and then you wait a half an hour. And then at a half an hour, you go, oh, am I still hungry? A lot of times you just forget about it. You know, 100%. Or you deal with it, right? Like yep. I get hungry sometimes. I stay up and I'm working and it's like, you know, 11, 12 o'clock. It's been six, seven hours since I've eaten anything. And I get hungry and I go really? You're going to eat it this hour? That's not very good for you. And I have to just talk myself down and go, you know, you can deal with this. Just go to bed, you know, just, yeah, just yeah, go, to bed go away. Now, different people are in different states of their metabolism. You got to go more slowly. And mm -hmm. if you you work with people with intermittent fasting, I'm sure you see that some people like take to it like that and it's yeah. simple and easy. And other people, you have to gradually just increase the space between the meals. Yeah, yeah. And gradually doing it allows the body to adapt. I love intermittent fasting. I mean, I do a form of intermittent fasting just about every day. I just usually don't eat until, um, you know, 12, 12 o'clock in the afternoon or two o'clock in the afternoon. I leave like 14 to 18 hours between my meals. But um, the other kind of intermittent fasting, which I really like, is just doing that 24-hour fast once a week or yeah. twice a week. And I've seen it drop people's weight dramatically. Right. People that are overly thin and have a high metabolic rate maybe have to be a little bit more careful with that. And I'm, I'm, giving, I'm giving you a virtual high five right now. Uh, good. <laughs> giving you a virtual high five, 100 percent. I completely understand. It's just because we've been, as you said before, been programmed to think that as soon as you get hungry, you need to go and eat everything. And of course, it's a shop that's open 24 seven all the time that people can just go and eat whenever right. they want. They can. They can, and it's killing us. I mean, the, the availability of food like that is killing us. In the olden days, people ate when – the animals, the people, you ate when there was food available. Mm -hmm. And there wasn't always food available, so the body gets adapted to that. And now we just like – we feed ourselves all the time. And the whole thing where people teach – uh, oh, you have blood sugar problems. You have to eat every two hours. That's the worst thing oh, for blood yeah. sugar problems. The very worst. You're in a state of constant insulin in the system. Insulin's a fat storage hormone, right? And and it suppresses growth hormone. So if you're if you're working out and you want to build muscle, yeah, go ahead and eat every two hours, and you'll never build muscle because. Mm -hmm. It's just ridiculous. I mean, there's some rare people who will, but for the average person, it's just going to suppress it because it's low growth hormone, high insulin. What are you going to do? Store fat. Yeah. I even, after I work out, I don't eat for, for I mean, I'm like you, I don't eat until about one, two o'clock and I usually work out in the morning and I, I always, I used to eat straight away afterwards and now I, I don't eat for an hour. It's just because you said yep. high growth, uh, high, um, growth hormones release, so is leptin. I mean, all these, all these hormones yep. that are doing their job, it's, 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 it's imperative. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's just, and now you talk about craving, as you said before, when people are stressed and as I said, they're in, they're in their reptile brain, or as you said, lizard brain, um, straight away comfort, we've been programmed comfort when we're young, we start crying, our mum puts the breast there, we've got sugar, sugary like milk substance, so now we, now we, we, we what gets fired together gets wired together, so we, so we start thinking, oh my god, sugar equals sort of comfort, so we go to the yeah. fridge, 
or even if you're looking at other things like parasites, these things crave foods. <laughs> have you got yep. a gut full of parasites? They're craving food, especially in the evening. They want their sugar uh, and all, all the other things. But so we've we've learned so because we've. I think I could have you on for three hours here, but we won't. Um, <laughs> so we've mentioned, so we've mentioned things that can help brain fog. So we've gone uh, soy lepsin, sunflower lepsin, um, reducing your stress. Uh, obviously, cortisol, making sure it's in balance. B vitamins, omega threes, real food, uh, looking into your thyroid and adrenal health. Um, Protein, like even even fasting, intermittent fasting, if you if you can, protein for breakfast rather than carbohydrates, mm-hmm. um, and then there's a few other things that you've mentioned on your site. I mean, one of the big things we talk about is sleep. I mean, sleep's going to be hugely important, right? Huge, yeah, hugely important because if that's during the night is when the body cleanses itself. You do all the stuff during the day, you go to sleep, and all these you know metabolic waste products get dissipated and broken down. And if you don't, then how do how do people feel? I mean, think about this: if you been up for a long time you've had a long day you don't feel as alert and um you know sharp as you did in the morning you do your brain starts to get foggy now you go to sleep it clears out now if you're not getting enough sleep you're going to have that slight foggy feeling mm-hmm. all the time because you don't you're you don't give your body the opportunity to break things down and um yeah, I mean, it's like the brain almost washes itself when it's asleep. It's uh, it's, it's very, very important. Um, other things that you've got, I mean, I, I, I could go on all day about. We can do a whole, whole show on sleep. You know, it's it's you can throw yeah. you can throw parasitic herbs at people or supplements at people, but if you're if you don't get enough sleep, your immune system will never reach its full potential, uh, and your your hormones will never regulate, and you'll just be like a dog chasing its tail, and it becomes an expensive game. So sleep, I didn't mean to just brush over it. Sleep's critical. Um, it's critical. Um, it's totally yeah, and so I mean, critical. Yeah. Well, you- and if we if we tend to look for nutrition, like what supplement, what herb, what's the fancy thing, mm. we're going back to the same pitfalls that medicine is doing yeah, with right. the, this for that approach. Yeah. And it's not like that. We need to look first at the foundational habits that people have. Right. And sleep is one of them. Stress is another one. Food is another one. Keeping moving oxygenation. The brain isn't getting enough oxygen. Then, you know, and if you're just sitting around shallow breathing, being stressed all day and not moving, that's that's going to affect you. That's going to impact you. So we really just need to go to the basics. Yeah, there's great herbs and there's great supplements and there's all kinds of great things we can do. And a lot of times need to do because of the depleted soils and the toxic environment. But we really, it's, you cannot take a pill, whether it's a supplement, whether it's an herb, a superfood, an omega-3, whatever that makes up for bad habits. It supplements good habits mm-hmm. nothing that you can take is going to make up for bad habits nice also i mean yeah it's just hit every single nail on the head there i mean there's a few other things you've got on your site as well um just because i just want to mention them because it, it could seem quite cool um heart heart math what, yeah what, what's heart math just for the guys out there yeah, heart math is it's my favorite technique for keeping those cortisol levels down to to de-stress. So it's basically a combination of deep breathing, like you would do during a yoga class or meditation, okay. and um, appreciation, 
And so I teach it to people. I teach people stuff that they can do in a minute or two because I don't have the patience. I'm finally built up to meditating 20 minutes a day. This is, this is the first time forever that I do that consistently because I, I don't have the patience to say, I'm like, I got to go do this. I got to do that. So with heart math, you basically can take a break. You stop, you focus on your breathing. And usually I just, I put my right hand over my, my left hand over my belly or my right hand over my heart. So I'm focused and I'll go, and do big deep breath in long slow exhale full exhale and then i i call it mini vacation so it's my variation of heart math i like go on a mini vacation i go where where can i go where i feel fantastic where i feel safe for me it's a beach right sitting in the in the ocean not not just sitting and watching it but in the water being surrounded by this beautiful water and the sand and the sounds and i just recreate that in my brain and the cool part about our nervous systems is that we can recreate situations and the brain thinks you're there so it recreates the chemistry of that so what is the chemistry of bliss what is the chemistry of appreciation what is the chemistry of relaxation it just sources all these wonderful nutrients and enzymes and hormones that just surge and make you feel good oxytocin all that and so we get that feeling in an instant and we can do that multiple times a day and that's what i that's what heart math is and my variation on it i call it a mini vacation i just go okay i'm going to the beach so if something's (laughs) happening that's stressful i just go "Mm, i'm there I can do it in one breath because like you said about wiring before that, I think that like glossed over for a lot of folks because you went through that quickly, but that rewiring, you know, Mm -hmm. that rewiring, we're rewiring stress to be helpful. So uh, if I, every time I, if I practice this before I get the stressful situation, that's the key. But then every time there's a stressful situation, like, oh my God, I have a webinar happening in two minutes and I've got, you know, 5,000 people registered and my power just went out. What am I going to do? Right? I take my breath. I take that. And, and instantly, anytime something stressful like that happens, well, not 100% because I'm human and not perfect. But when something stressful happens, I just go... Okay. And what happens with that is my brain, my forebrain, the, the, the wizard brain takes yeah. over and says, okay, here's what you can do. Go downstairs. You've got a laptop. Okay. Pull out the laptop and log in with the laptop. Or if it's something like the, the c- code was wrong and I'll go, <gasps> and I go, wait a minute. Oh, I can do this or I can do that. Cause I can activate my resourceful brain to be able to help me out of that bag. So, so basically, uh, in layman's terms, what it's doing is once again taking you, tr- putting you back in that in the simple, in, the, in the nervous system that you need to be to be relaxed. Right. And right. It's, and it's doing it nice and quickly. So it's it's a distress and it's getting you out of your getting you out of your uh, lizard brain back into your wizard brain, so you can start to think more clearly. Exactly. Exactly. And it's the nervous system you implied, the sympathetic versus parasympathetic. Sym- yeah, sympathetic. Yeah. Right. Sympathetic is that fight flight. Oh, yeah. what am I going to do? And then you go. Now I'm in parasympathetic, and parasympathetic is where everything's working really well. My digestion working. Rest and digest, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then I go, oh, here's what I can do. Yeah, there's times you need to be in sympathetic. Like if there is a tiger chasing you, and if you are stuck in a situation where you need to like do quick moves, yeah, absolutely. It's there to protect us. Yeah, most people are in it 24-7, right? 24-7. We're not intended to be in there 24-7. No way. Cool. And so you – 
because I know you've got to go in, in a minute. So Rita's also got a book on her site called Transforming Stress, which you can have a look at. Um, also, like we do in a lot of our programs, you recommend turn off the news and social media. I mean, I can't, I can't ever think why. Um, why would you want to do that? <laughs> Everything on the news is so, so upbeat, yeah? Um, oh, yeah, 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 right. <laughs> right, if you want to be in sympathetic mode, that's your sitting there, and you're helpless because yeah. this stuff is happening. And if we think about, you know, we have this, this electronic age, and we know what's happening every place in the world, mm-hmm. and that our nervous systems aren't designed for that. Mm-hmm. We're not designed to be able to take on the problems and the stresses of every person around the world. And, yeah, we're loving people, and we want to help, and then you feel helpless because you can't help this family over here or this over here you feel bad about the 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 murders and then you get scared and i mean there's all kinds of stuff and guess what the news is made to scare you guy no you're conspiracy theorists i don't believe you ah but you know what (laughs) i'm joking i'm joking with you i do believe you of course i do i know it's all it's all a load of rubbish. Most of it. Um, it's funny because it's it's weird, uh, Rita. The more I, mean, I think it's everyone I talk to is in the natural health world. Get, is is into what we're into. Uh, they're all into say not conspiracy theories. They're all into the truth, you know. And it's it's amazing. I think that the I think the the clearer your mind is, um, and and the more you're on a higher vibrational frequency, uh, and the more you just start to see the world for what it really is, and. I think doing a news detox. I mean, what's what's the, all it does? It gets. I see my dad every day. He reads the paper. And gets wound up. I'm like, why are you reading the paper for? Just relax. Yeah. There's no need. Yeah. It's just all it's done is just wound you up straight away in the morning. It's got you angry. Put the paper yeah, down. Yeah, just start your day that way. Yeah. That's really bad. Yeah. And so now I've got him. Uh, he's he's not he's not reading it anymore, which is great. Um, and the other one, I mean, we can. Sp- I, I know you've got to go, but the other one you've also got get off gluten. You could probably spend a day on that one. Yeah, you could spend um, a day on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, so just for different people, where would they start? Where I means different for everyone, or is it just um, eat real food and just reduce your stress? Where, what would you say? You know, it's start. It's it, yeah. So start with figuring a thing that you can transform your stress. And make a pact with yourself that you're only going to eat food that's real. That's not packaged. That's not full of things you can't pronounce. That's not loaded with sugar because, yeah, sugar's in food. But if it's added sugar, and now the labels show you if is it added sugar or natural sugar, right? So if you you buy a package, you know, if they were to package grapes or, or bananas or apples or whatever, and they put the label on it, the nutrition label, which would be a cool thing to do, they, you would see that there's a fair amount of sugar in mm-hmm. grapes or bananas and apples, but added sugar would be zero, yeah. right? So it's really a matter, and it's a matter of finding out the right foods for you. So start with just real. I mean, just start with real. I mean, I don't, I'm not a big oil fan because I think oils are just like white flour. It's an extracted food. Not that I don't, you know, sometimes use it for a decadent culinary experience, but uh, <laughs> it's just, it's not real. <laughs> you crack me up. <laughs> a decadent culinary experience. I like that. Yeah. I enjoy, well, I enjoy, I enjoy, I enjoy a decadent culinary experience as much as the next man, I think. Um, that's, that's good. Yeah. but we have to really look at what's the health benefits. So, uh, you know, I, I sometimes use oils therapeutically, right? So people who are very high metabolic rate need to keep it on, but we're trying to do a cleanse or a fast. I may get them on some MCT oil or coconut oil or whatever, flax oil, but 
the point is it's it's just as fractured a food as white flour. You've removed all the nutritional components and just left the fat. So would right? you would you oh, cook, would you cook your food in if you were having a if you were having a um, I stir fry? Yeah. So if you did yeah, so if you were cooking some food, what would you what would you I cook would in? Put some broth or some water in the pan and stir fry it that way. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah. So most I'd say herbs. most of the coconut oil would be a big one for most people, but you'd put some broth or some or some yeah. water. I'm not saying I never use coconut oil, don't get me wrong, but I really feel like um you've got to be careful about heating your oils because they oxidize. Yeah. So there's certain oils, you know, coconut being one of them that have a higher oxidation point. But you've got to be careful about that because oxidative byproducts are causing free radical damage and are hurting every cell in your body. So I'm not a big fan of oil. Yeah, like for super thin people who are losing weight like crazy on a whole foods diet. So what, you what, know, if, what if you use it? What if you use it over your? If you use it over your salads, a bit of olive oil, and then you're not you're not heating it. Then you're not. You're not. I make dressings. I take. Um, nuts or seeds or avocado or whole coconut, you know, shredded coconut or whole yeah. coconut. I put it in the blender with vegetables and herbs and I make my own salad dressings, right, you know, so tahini with lemon juice and some, you know, I don't know, salt and cayenne and cumin and turmeric and those sorts of things. So there's all kinds of ways that you can make whole food salad dressings nice. that are phenomenal and awesome. loaded with nutrition. Awesome. Uh, Risa, I know you've got to go. So just quickly, any I mean, you've got lots of programs on your website. I said before, guys, www.ritamarie.com. Um, lots of programs on there. Anything you've got coming on or you want to talk about that the guys know? Yeah, so we do um, – I do a program called the Sweet Spot Solution. Keep an okay. eye on that because we're going to be doing some uh, – we're going to be opening up some specials on that soon. But it's basically where you can get your blood sugar imbalance. But really, it's an overall, overall health overhaul, mm -hmm. um, but focused on getting the blood sugar imbalance. And, and we promote it with – you know, it helps you with belly fat, brain fog, and burnout. Like who doesn't have those things, you know, unless they're already doing what I'm recommending, right? Yeah. So we help people to optimize your blood sugar by testing it yourself or, you know, you really teach people and empower people on how to understand how that body is working and so what steps to take to make it happen. And we've had amazing, amazing results. We've put over a thousand people through that program and the kinds of results we've gotten over the years have been nothing short of amazing awesome and that's sweet sweet spot but the sweet spot solution.com awesome yeah Rita, it's been a pleasure if you just hang on the line there i'll just close out the show guys that's that's going to be going to be it for for um dr rita marie and uh as I said, any questions give me a shout and we'll get them over to her but that's it for this episode guys and we'll see you on the next episode so guys, that was episode 44 of Dr. Rita Marie Los Calzo. I hope you really enjoyed that. Um, I think mean, we got deep into it, the subject and we went through all the different things. You can do a whole list of them there for you. Go through them, write them down. But brain fog is a real, um, it's a real big issue. A lot of people suffer from it. And it's not normal. As we say, I keep on reiterate, I want to reiterate this quite a bit. And that is just because it's normal, uh, sorry, just because it's common doesn't mean it's normal. So many people walking around have different ailments going on thinking, that, oh, it's okay, everyone's got something. But that is not normal. It's just common. Okay, guys? So that's it for episode 44. As always, head on over to www.reviveyourself.co. Join the four-day uh, free mini course we've got there for you. That's going to teach you all about 
what you need to do to get rid of any chronic health issue. And we're on Facebook at Facebook forward slash Revive Yourself Natural Health, Instagram and YouTube. Otherwise, guys, that's it for today. I'll see you next week when we'll be interviewing Dr. William Davis all about wheat and his book, Wheat Belly. So until then, have a great week. If it's Christmas time, enjoy Christmas and I'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye. If you're struggling with gut issues such as gas, bloating, constipation, diarrhea, indigestion, heartburn, and want to finally be able to eat the foods you love without the crippling after effects, then don't forget to head over to reviveyourself.co and pick up your free copy of The Healing Health Paradigm today.